This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Thursday the 21st of January. In your Squeeze today, Joe Biden's inauguration. Jack Ma's reappearance. Netflix cracks 200 million. And Duck, the surfer. This is your Squeeze today. Claire, the inauguration of Joe Biden is complete, paired back as it was with all guests wearing masks and a much smaller crowd than usual. We'll get to what went down shortly, but first to what was said. In his inaugural address, Claire, Joe Biden leaned in heavily on the theme of unity. He did. He said that it was his job and all Americans' job to restore the soul of America in the wake of the Trump era. He said that he would do his bit to heal a broken land. He said that unity is the path forward. And if they come together, I guarantee you we will not fail. It was quite a hopeful speech. He talked about renewal and he really urged resolve on the part of all Americans to do their part. He also pointed to the top agenda items and that that's dealing with the coronavirus crisis, rebuilding the economy and also the threats of climate change and racial injustice. Lots of attention also on the swearing in of Kamala Harris, the first female, first black and first Asian American US Vice President. It's not America Claire without ceremony and without celebrity. Lady Gaga's rendition of the anthem was pretty spectacular. Jennifer Lopez performed. Garth Brooks hugged a lot of people. <laughs> he broke with social distancing protocols. It certainly was <laughs> one of the lighter moments, as was Bernie Sanders' mittens. There was lots of Lots of attention on on those knitted items. But, uh, yeah, that ceremony that they do have really is quite spectacular, even, as you say, with that pared-back crowd. Things did look quite restrained, but when you get up close and there's some really good pictures of of what happened in the email today, you can see the expression there and there was a lot of emotion. Yeah, I'll include a link in your episode notes to a gallery of that event. As for Donald Trump, as we discussed yesterday, he didn't attend the inauguration. As predicted, though, he did use his final day in office to award pardons to a number of people, 73. In fact, Claire, a bit of background, awarding pardons is something only a president can do. It only applies to federal crimes. It doesn't overturn convictions, but it does exempt a person from punishments like jail time or fines. It's not unprecedented. Other presidents have done it. But those given to Trump's allies received the most attention. Yeah, we're talking about Steve Bannon particularly. Bannon was Trump's first chief strategist. He had a big role in the 2016 election campaign. He's an alt-right media figure in the US and he was pardoned by Trump yesterday. He was in the legal process of facing charges for embezzling a fundraiser for building the Trump wall. Another person who was pardoned, who is also a supporter of Trump, is rapper Little Wayne. There's your conversation starter for the day. <laughs> and Claire, just to indulge this topic a little bit further, another fascinating thing that happens in the handover between presidents is the transfer of the nuclear codes. It's a thing. There's a bag that goes with the president. It's the codes and it's sort of the guidebook about what happens and it's heavily escorted and there's literally a handover of that case. That's now happened. So Trump's nuclear powers are now inactive. And finally, as he has done a number of times, Trump in a farewell address yesterday and when leaving the Capitol this morning hinted at a comeback saying, we will be back in some form. 
Still in the US and a few big issues have been tackled in the last day or so. First of all, in a parting shot at China, departing Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that the nation has committed genocide against the Uyghur Muslims, an ethnic minority in northwestern China. It's a really big statement for the United States to say that. That isn't just a passing thing from the Trump administration trying to stitch up the Biden mob. Uh, What Pompeo said was actually backed by the hopefully incoming Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. He said that that would be his judgment as well. It's a big line between the US and China for that statement to be made, and it does set up for more difficult relations under the Biden administration. Yeah, we have a squeeze shortcut on the Uyghur Muslims. Bit of background, it's thought the Communist Party has detained up to a million Uyghur Muslims in re-education camps with human rights groups accusing China of forced sterilisation and ethnic cleansing. And another big one, casting our minds back to 2018 when Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi was murdered by Saudi agents inside the Saudi consulate in Turkey. Now the Biden administration looks set to declassify a report which would essentially lay blame on de facto ruler of Saudi Arabia, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Claire, as if he knew we'd done a squeeze shortcut on his disappearance last night. Jack Ma, one of the richest people in the world and founder of e-commerce giant Alibaba, has been seen in public for the first time since October. It's the squiz curse, really, isn't it? it? Just when you nail something down, it shifts. And look, it's good to see that he seems in good health and that he is up and running. He's not in detention. He hasn't gone missing uh, for years. It's just been a matter of months that he's been out of public view. And yesterday, as you say, he showed up, albeit virtually, for an education conference that was run by his philanthropic foundation. It does give weight to the theory that Jack Ma is just lying low after after he embarrassed and insulted the Chinese government talking about their approach to innovation and the financial sector. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy and our Squish Shortcut covers the reasons why the Chinese government are pretty cranky with him, plus some background to what running a private business in China is like. A link to that is in your episode notes. There are a lot of people, Claire, who are hoping 2021 would be a bit of an improvement on 2020, not least of all the organisers of the Tokyo Olympics. It was postponed last year. It's due to start in July. It's not looking good. It's definitely murmurings and mumblings uh, about whether those Olympic Games are going to be able to go ahead. Keith Mills, who's the deputy chairman of the London 2012 organising committee yesterday, said that it was his view that it's unlikely that those games will be able to go ahead. He said, personally sitting here, looking at the pandemic around the world in South America, North America, Africa and Europe, it looks unlikely. And you only have to look at the number of coronavirus cases and deaths coming from those regions to understand where he's coming from. But for what it's worth, Japanese and International Olympic Committee officials say it's all go. Yeah, also on the optimistic side of the fence is World Athletics President Sebastian Coe. He said he was confident they'll happen. They'll just look a little different. 
Netflix Claire has hit a pretty big milestone. 200 million people are now subscribed to the streaming service. It is the first time that they've tipped over that mark. They had a record 36.6 million people signing up in 2020. Of course, that was driven by the coronavirus crisis with many, many people in lockdown looking to fill those hours. What Netflix says now is what it means for them is that they're able to fund their growth just from subscription revenue and from other parts that they get revenue from. And it means also that they're going to come close to breaking even, which really is a big benchmark and a big hurdle for them to clear. They came home pretty strong last year with the release of The Queen's Gambit and Bridgerton, neither of which I've seen. <laughs> Queen's Gambit, thumbs up. Haven't seen Bridgerton yet. I, I think we're both oh, in the minority. I think we're the only people. <laughs> yeah, I think we are. Maybe something. It's on be, the list. Yeah, yeah. I blame the early starts doing this podcast for not having watched either of those. <laughs> And if you live in Rainbow Bay on the Gold Coast, tune out. You'll already know this story. But for everyone else, let us tell you about Duck, the surfing duck. He surfs. It's incredible. He just (laughs) paddles on out with his owner uh, and off they go. And when he's done, I'm really impressed by this bit. He just surfs in and just goes to the beach and waits for everyone to come in. Yeah, he's such a cool dude. His owner, 16-year-old Tom Miller, is also a very cool dude. He played it all down saying, this is the quote, it's just a duck that goes to the beach. It's nothing too fancy. <laughs> just a duck that goes I like to Tom. the beach. <laughs> Squeeze the day, Claire. What have you got? Uh, Today, unemployment figures for December will certainly be interesting to see where the year rounded up when it came to employment. Of course, that's been a big thing last year. Yeah, and mine is on the complete other end of the spectrum. It's Baby Spice's birthday. (laughs) Emma Button will turn 45 today. Important to know that Baby Spice is 45. You love your Spice Girls, don't you? Well, yeah, that's just my generation. This is what we grew up with. (laughs) High School Musical, Baby Spice. That'll do from us today. Thanks for listening into the Squiz Today podcast as always, and we'll be back tomorrow. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au.